Need storage? No sweat. MakeSpace is storage without the struggle. MakeSpace pros will pick up your stuff, securely store it, and bring it back whenever you need it. They'll even provide free bins, moving blankets, and a digital photo inventory, all included in a great low rate. Save time, money, and hassle. With MakeSpace, getting your stuff in storage is finally easy and affordable. Book your free pickup today at MakeSpace.com. Use code WYL75 for $75 off your first month of storage. the WYL Tech Ownership Podcast, where we're all about taking ownership of your mental, your economics, and your community. I'm joined today by Richard Kantav. I want to make sure I get his name right, the founder of Haitian Nomad. Um, and I'm, I'm grateful. I know Don Pierre-Lewis, uh, Director of Strategy and Revenue over at WYL, made the connection here. So really happy to be talking to you today, man. How are you feeling? Pretty good. It's an honor for me to be here with you guys. That's love. That's love. I know. So you started you started Haitian Nomad in 2016. And I, I wanna I wanna use this conversation to highlight Haitian Nomad and the amazing amazing work you guys are doing while also bringing resonance to the craziness of what is today's world and the fact that we don't know what's next, right? We're just all trying to figure out the uncertainty and wade through it uh, unto ourselves. So, you know, how has COVID affected your business and and you just like personally and, and professionally, all that? It's it's kind of been bittersweet, um, and I say this because, of course, you know, it sucks that we can't travel, you know, we have to cancel or push back a lot of trips, and then you have the catching up from all the, 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 the clients that are already booked on trips, and they're looking for answers that you really can't give for sure, you know? There's, like, that uncertainty, like, on top of you that you don't know what's going to happen next. At the same time, I think this is, like, the golden opportunity of, like, any... Uh, especially black businesses like us, because of all the the spotlight that's being put on us right now, you know, with, with the whole situation happening um, from the George Floyd uh, situation and everything. Um, there's been like so many like grants going out there and finding those that are specific, specifically for black owned businesses or minority owned businesses. That's like, you know, it's almost like a once in a lifetime opportunity. So personally, I've I've just been, looking for different opportunities and looking towards like what's going to be next and to try to get ahead of that, you know? Yeah, no, I, I feel that a hundred percent. You know, I think of myself as a traveler, I do get out there quite a bit, yeah. but everything's virtually been halted. Like my entire COVID experience is in Buffalo, New York, out of an apartment up there. And then I just got to Brooklyn about a week and a half ago. We're, we're in a time period where at one point travel, literally flight flights almost came to a standstill. Knowing how things have changed for you, what does the future look like? Like, are you still completely in that uncertain space right now? Are, are people still waiting to hear back information on their trips? Or is there enough clarity right now to be like, okay, hey, we're going to set a date for August or September. Like, where, I, where does I that currently stand? The people that travel with me are not people that just, you know, travel once a year on for a vacation. Mm-hmm. You know, I did a good job building my base uh, where it's like actually people that understand and that travel as a lifestyle. So they're always on the plane like this is not going to stop them from getting on a plane and they're just waiting on like okay like i i, I get more emails like please let this trip happen like they're <laughs> happening versus the ones that are scared and say well i don't know if i should travel after all of this and you know things 
kind of settle down, people are going to be eager to get out of here, you know? Especially like, you know, we've been like trapped in our homes and you can't go nowhere. In certain instances, you can't even leave the state or you're going to be quarantined. So right now, it's it's like you have to get ready for what's next. Um, yeah. I do think there's going to be a lot of adjustments that, that need to be made because, you know, it's going to go from having to get to the airport three hours before to like four hours before because there's going to be so many steps before you actually get on the plane and, you know, can travel safely. Yeah, yeah. What for you? What got you involved in traveling? Like, why did you feel like it was so important to make an organization around this, um, and and to highlight effectively the, the traveling journey of so many, especially people who look just like us? Uh huh. So, it it wasn't something that I sat down and planned. To tell you the truth, it's kind of like I got inspired by a lot of different things. I I love the book uh, The Alchemist. When I read that book, it was almost like it was my story. You know, I we're constantly looking for the next big thing, the things that are that's going to work out for us and things like that. And all this time, you know, being from Haiti and growing up in Haiti, like Haiti was that place that was going to put me on the mat when it comes to travel. I joined a lot of different uh, travel groups. And what I realized is that there was nobody representing Haiti or even facilitating things for black people to actually visit a place like Haiti, you know, which, you know, is the first a black nation as the only black nation that came out of a successful slave revolt. Mm -hmm. So that, that's our story. So it was very important for me to be that bridge to connect not just the Haitian diaspora, but like to bring a lot of black people and show them like, this is what we can do when we put our, our minds together, you know? From there, I remember uh, seeing a quote by Tyler Perry that said like, when it comes to business, once you can do something in one place and you're successful at it, try to replicate that in another place and then, you know, keep going. So from visiting the different places, I, I pretty much uh, decided that, well, I know Cuba very well, so I got connections there, so I'm going to do the same thing there. Um, same thing for Cambodia and so on and so on. And it became uh, very clear to me that I could combine two of the things that I love the most, which was travel and giving back, and I can do it on my own schedule and write my own checks. So, boom, here I am. <laughs> so I got I to gotta, uh, unpack a little bit on that story. So you had mentioned before, though, you were looking at different travel groups and joining them and seeing what was missing, realizing even from a nationality perspective, Haiti was left out of the conversation. The, the, the itch to travel, you know? I, I know, I know friends that are like, I, don't, I just don't have the itch at all. Like, what, yeah. where, do, where do you think that comes from for you? I think sometimes a lot of it is a lack of exposure. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, even here traveling in New York, sometimes I go different places and I'm like, how can people just be happy just staying in this one place? You know, not even wanting to, to see other parts of New York. Um, and a lot of times it's just that they're not exposed to it and um, they don't know what it can do for them, mm. which is very, very important because I know what travel has done for me. You know, the way that it expands your mind, uh, it makes you understand uh, different cultures better, different religions better. Um, I think that's pretty much the most important piece. Got you, got you. And then from a, from a Haitian perspective, right? Like there there is so much history in Haiti. I always say like Haitian people are warriors at heart. Like that's that's literally the essence of how the nation and God is freedom. And so when you, when you think about that, what, what are some of the key things that people at home should know about Haiti that maybe they don't? And that could be location wise. That could be in terms of excitement and joy when you get there. That could be about the people. Like however you want to take that question, it's, it's up to I, you. I, 
I think the key thing that they don't speak about uh, enough is how they did it. You know, Haiti did not become independent for Haitians. You know, the guys that fought in the war against France, uh, Spain, all that, they were not all Haitian. They were not all um, from the same place. Um, some of them were from Grenada. Some of them were from different parts of the Caribbean, Jamaica. And it was the coming together and fighting for the freedom of the black race. That was the most important thing, you know? And I think nowadays is what that what's lacking the most. Um, we create so many barriers between us and, you know, the other the others they look at us at as the same you know and that's what we should be doing we should be coming together more as you know blacks and just fighting for what's right and, and our freedom altogether but from from your perspective that, that being the case you know what what is it about the haitian culture about the haitian country like the physical right that many people don't don't know right that, that they should know about haiti like what would you want to tell people Oh, definitely, like, you, you, when it comes to Haiti, you have to erase whatever you heard, whatever you think. <laughs> like, whatever you think, it's not what it is. If you Google Haiti, unfortunately, the first things that are going to come up is the earthquake, the poverty, and, you know, political unrest and things like that. And the thing is, those things, such, such as the political unrest, comes from the revolution. Mm -hmm. Like, we've always been that kind of... Yeah kind of nation where like we stand up for what's not right but you know people flock to dr and they see like the beautiful beach and it's the same island you know <laughs> yeah 100 percent, man um you know so now where we kind of sit, sit is there's been this over the last i'd say five years this movement towards black people traveling more than ever before and yeah. i i tend to give a lot of credit to instagram in and in actually a very vain and frustrating way actually i think right. it's good that people can highlight that they're traveling i think unfortunately nowadays people will go all the way to haiti and take pictures on the beach and just highlight that and there's so much of the culture that's missed out in these moments you know how do you think instagram has impacted the travel uh, world and I'm sure that's been good for business, but are there any drawbacks to um, to social media and the travel space? I think you hit it right on the nail. Um, so many times, like you know, we see a place on Instagram and we're like, oh my god, like it's beautiful, and we go to that place and we just want to take that picture for the gram, you know? Right. Versus, versus like getting to know the culture, like taking time to talk to the people and actually understanding more what they're about, what their struggles are, how we can like put our, our minds together and help them out. Cause what I like a lot about having Haitian Nomad as a brand is like the impact that we are leaving on those places when we visit. So it's not just, you know, we're going there, taking a picture, seeing how beautiful it is. And then, you know, we leave because when we do that, we take a lot with us, but mm -hmm. what are we leaving behind is one of the big questions, you know? And for me, when I thought about, you know, ways of us giving back uh, and how we could pay it forward, um, we we came up with this with this little plan where, you know, when it's big groups and we go to restaurants, you know how it is when it comes down to pay and, like, you know, we, everybody has to calculate things. So we came up with a system where we collected the tips ahead of time. Like, on the first day of the trip, we know how much the tip is going to be for the whole for the whole week. We collected everything. And that way, when everybody visits a restaurant or a place, you know, instead of us sitting here calculating things, we already have the tip that we're going to leave. Mm -hmm. And what ended up happening is 
we realized that sometimes at the end of the trip, we end up with like $100, $120 out of that pile of tips. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, what do we do with that? Are we going to give some each person back $2 and stuff like that? And by that time, they forget about it. So what we started doing is uh, I found this, this uh, organization called Kiva. And they came up with a concept where you can pretty much go on the website and you find like entrepreneurs, local entrepreneurs in, in all these countries that you can make loans to. And the loans are like small loans of 1%. So we take that money and we loan it to somebody in that culture, the place that we visited or whatever, and they pay it in installments. So as they pay it back with, with the interest, we use that interest payments to pay it forward to somebody else in another country. Mm-hmm. So $100 grows and helps out like so many different people in so many different places. Got you. And so, all right. So I love that about the, the, your business model is it, it built into it is the ability to give back is yep. the ability to leave a positive mark, you know, where you were. Um, talk to me about the fun, right? Like, like how do y'all turn up? This is where there's levels to it. You know, <laughs> when I, when tell, I tell us the levels, tell us the levels. Yeah, so when I first started the Haitian nomad, um, I was kind of like conscious about budget, you know, people don't want to spend too much money. Um, so you have to set different price levels. And going to Haiti, you know, we go to Haiti, we rent out yachts, you know, we do like the local parties, they get to see the local bands and stuff like that. So you have that level of small, like kind of like, um, I want to say backyard party kind of thing, right? Mm-hmm. And then you have a trip to Egypt, for example, where we did like, it was almost a hundred of us. Mm-hmm. And we pretty much chartered an entire ship down the Nile River. So we have an entire ship. It's New Year's Eve. So you can imagine everybody's decked out in like traditional clothing, popping bottles for New Year's Eve and things like that. And for certain people that, you know, that's like, oh my God, that's amazing. <laughs> and top level, which is our uh, annual trip to the French Riviera, where I have a friend who owns a house overlooking Central Pay and pretty much like, a whole bunch of black people in this mention and you like you literally get the eyes like who are those people you know like <laughs> people are trying to figure out and then next thing you know we're on a yacht in the middle of the mediterranean um our transfer is between the house and the helicopter and the, and the airport is through helicopters so it, we we definitely turn it up <laughs> no nah, that's love man i, I love hearing that because so much of travel, I mean, yes, you're learning your 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 all the things, but also you just want to turn up sometimes too. Like right. I was in South Africa this past uh Christmas and the New Year's and um we did like a all white party at a at a at a um at a mansion. Um mm-hmm. and it was just it was sick. I mean I it was sick to me because it was such a it was all black people with such diversity among black amongst yeah. black people. Like I even felt like it was at one point I'm talking to two cats from South Africa and, and we're like hanging in the pool. And they were like, yo, like, so you're American, but like, where's your family from? Like, all right, Nigeria and Barbados. Like, what's Nigeria like? So here I am as a first gen in America explaining what Nigeria is like to South Africans. And I was right. like, I love that because, you know, the way it is, is, is highlighted in American culture is Africa's all this one homogenous like space. So you would, uh-huh. you would guess South Africans knew what the food was in Nigeria or South Africans right. knew what the culture was like. But if they're not in that country and they're hundreds, not thousands of miles away, they don't, right? right. So it's it's such travel, is such a powerful and cathartic thing for people. I mean, it's it's, a, it's an area to turn up and not necessarily always have the restrictions of where you are at home. How do you ensure when people 
do go to new nations, right? That there, there is this energy around having maximum fun, but also still being respectful and mindful of the people you're around, right? Like, even when you think about real estate in communities and uh, I went to Temple and Temple wanted to build a stadium right in the heart of North Philly, which is like crazy to think about. But, you know, neighbors were, were pointing out, like, I don't want drunk college kids pissing on my, you know, my property, right? Or, or throwing trash or bottles in the street. How do you, how do you speak to the, the traveling nomads with you? Like, hey, we're going to have fun. We're going to turn up, but we're also going to respect the space we're in. I think for the majority, uh, I think people want to be respectful and sometimes like, you know, it's not knowing certain things. So this is why for me, it's very important that any place where I'm hosting uh, a trip, I either uh, go there first and kind of like, you know, get a a sense of how things are, uh, things that they really should know. And it's different from just hearing it from somebody else, you know, once I go there, I can, I can tell like how, where are we going to be? What are we going to be doing? And that way I can handle the flood of questions that I'm going to get. And also I can, I can better uh, pitch the trip to know who it's for and who it's not for, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, for example, I'm doing a trip to the Maldives in February. And I know from being there, that's not a trip for somebody that just wants to turn up, you know? Like it's <laughs> right, right. station kind of thing. Um, if you want to go with a significant other, you can. But if you just want to like gift yourself that that trip where you just relax and lay on a beach and things, that's for you. So I think it's about knowing first. And what I do is like before every trip, I have a document that I put together on everything you need to know, whether it's mm. like culture, money, uh, the environment, just how things work, so that they know if it's for me, it's for me. If it's not for me, it's not for me. You know. Right. Ever ever have a, a situation like like. There could be political unrest, there could be all kinds of things. Ever have a situation go sour? And then how did you turn that around for the people that were there? So on our first to Egypt, actually, um, I had, uh, it was our first day there. And we were staying at a hotel across from the pyramids. And I just started getting, like, notifications on my phone that there was a bombing, like, literally close to where we were. Mm-hmm. And... The first thing is, you do, with a group of 100 people, the last thing you want to do is, like, send a message in the group and people start panicking. <laughs> right, right. So, That's a hell of a message to get. You know? Right. It's like, okay, very first thing to do is to connect with the guys, the people on the ground, to know what the situation is and how we're going to manage everything else. So um, it's being informed first and pretty much having a plan um, – in case something was to happen, you know, because all of the messages that were coming in were coming in from us, like people in the States, whereas we were there and nobody knew anything about it. Right. Um, right. So the good thing is we had personal bodyguards. We had uh, an escort, a police escort. We had a military escort. So it's more about reassuring people that, you know, we are, we do have plans in place in case something was to happen or whether it's, you know, dealing directly with the tourism board, the, the U.S. Embassy or having a, a way out in case something was to happen. Yeah, yeah, and, and that's so important. Like, I, I spent time in Israel a couple summers ago, and um, I remember while being there, we're, we're touring all the areas of, of Israel that you're often told not to go. But we're uh-huh. given a lot of security and whatnot in that process. And as things are happening, as, as the, the fighting continues a lot, because 
there's a lot of issue between obviously between Palestinians and Israelis, and, and right. sadly uh, the Palestinians um, are, are picked on a lot in that process. But I remember, I remember while, while I was there, there was a lot of notifications and in messages I was getting from people in the states about my right. experiences there and what was going on. And I'm like, we're not even noticing any of this stuff happening. I mean, you're kind of like insulated from it. it. Doesn't mean it's not real, but it's just yeah. like it's, it's treated differently when you're there. And my my most recent experience in Nigeria, um, I was in a um, there was like this. There's this new part of Nigeria, a uh, part of Lagos that they're building up. Um, and it's like they dredged a ton of water to create like this new island, uh, which is like this mini, supposed to be this mini Dubai for Nigeria. I think right. time will tell. Um, but I remember uh, the, the driver we were with giving us a tour of the area. And he, he, <laughs> he said to the, to the guard guarding this island, like, hey, we're part of some like embassy group or something like that. And so they let us in. Of course, they they government. So they call in like, yo, <laughs> we don't know these cats. Right. Um, so on our way out, and mind you, they have security all over the island. They have cameras everywhere. So we started getting like these weird nudges to like exit. And um, as yeah. we're leaving, they're like, they're not letting us leave. And, and we're like, yo, like we have a, we have like days left of this trip. We have to leave. We, we, you know, we threatened the American embassy and they were like, we don't care. We, you know, we, that's, not, that's not my problem. Like, it, and right. I, it took like an hour. I, I started blacking while still trying to be cool and remember I'm not in my country right. um, in terms of like being in the U.S. and, and, yeah. and all, the, all the cultural parts of that. Um, but eventually they, they let us rock. But those moments can turn tense very, very quickly when initially it's, it's a joke to get past security to give a tour uh-huh. or something you know been at so yeah man <laughs> but see, all of these things is why you know it's good to have good contacts in those places you know right like someone knows like how things work and like if i go to hey and i get stopped by the cops like i know what to say i know what to do you know whereas like somebody else who's not used to that kind of stuff like if you're if you're you've only lived here in the u.s you feel like the police should have a reason stop you whereas like places like that they can stop you for any reason you know right right and, and to that point uh my fault to that point the reason why we got out i forgot was one of the guards one of the guys that was you know the drivers i'm sorry was actually also an undercover cop so he right. he called the precinct right down the street and they talked to the guys and let us out like so you're right i mean and none of us knew he was undercover like that so these, it's just wild in other countries sometimes just have to know somebody that knows somebody <laughs> you know yeah, yeah. So, you know, uh, what I want to do is take a snapshot of kind of where, where we are, you know, um, how, how are you speaking to people right now in terms of how to best prepare for trips that are happening currently? Like, I know you mentioned you're preparing a trip in the Mal- for the Maldives in February. Huh? Are there any trips planned for the rest of this calendar year? And what are some precautionary things you're telling people to do to be prepared for those trips? So, the, the very first COVID thing, wise, COVID wise, I'm sorry. The very first thing is, you know, uh, we require that people carry travel insurance. So that, that has always been the case um, because you never know what could happen. And a lot of times, like, you know, it's, it's almost stupid that somebody is paying two, three thousand dollars for a trip and they won't pay forty, fifty dollars for the insurance, you know? And then boom, something like this happens and then you're just like stuck. So we're definitely encouraging people to, to make sure that they, they either have travel insurance or that they have a good credit card that carries uh, travel insurance that can, you know, help them in, in a situation where if something was to happen. Um, health-wise, I think one of the one of the first things that I've done is I got tested and I also got tested for the antibodies just to know where I stand. 
Right. Um, when it's going to come to travel, even before things got this bad, I, um, I was that person on the plane that had the seat cover that was like, <laughs> right, person, right. you know, you don't have to worry about wearing a mask. And I was wearing my mask. Um, so I definitely would encourage them to wear the mask. Definitely like, you know, take, um, a lot of precautions when it comes to like, uh, washing your hands, carrying, uh, hand sanitizers, um, and just know, uh, where you're going, like know what's mm -hmm. in place, um, know whatever new restrictions that they may have in terms of like a lockdown, for example, because at any time they can lock down the place while you're there, mm -hmm. you know? So it's all about being ready and knowing what the situation is on the ground. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now I think as I'm talking, it's like, it, these are coming off as like humble brags and it's not meant to be that way. But like, I, I went to Columbia recently, right, for my birthday back in March. And what was supposed to be an eight day trip turned into a two day one um, because of COVID and it got right. very serious. And it was me and two of my homies. And one was like, as soon as the word came out that Columbia might shut down, he was like, yo, I'm out. First thing smoking, yep. like <laughs> went to the airport, tried to leave, he actually couldn't. So he ended up missing like a whole day of the trip because he ended up having to rebook for the next day anyways. But my other homie was like, look, if I get trapped here until May, I'm gonna rock with it. And I'm just like, yo, I'm somewhere in the middle of both of those, right? Like I. I don't want to leave right now, but I don't want to stay till May. Um, and, you know, it worked out where we were able to get flights out of there. But it, it became real, real fast because while the U.S. wasn't doing too much at the time, countries like Canada were starting to close their borders. Colombia started to close their borders to other um, South, African, um, South American uh, countries. So we were just worried where we were going to even get out of there on time. And we just had to keep checking local news there to get that insight. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it can be, it can, you know, the dynamics can change very, very quickly when a pandemic strikes or anything of this sort in terms of things changing in a country. Any moment, because, you know, just even for me, like I, I was in Morocco when things started shutting down and my flight back was to France. And, uh, you know, I, I didn't even bother with that. And I just jumped to Casablanca and then from there, like took a flight direct to New York. And right after that, I remember seeing so many posts on Facebook about a lot of people that were stuck in Morocco trying to get mm -hmm. out. Sometimes you just got to do what you got to do. Yeah. How, how, many, how many countries have you been to now and traveled to? Um, and what, what, what trip have you taken? Like, which, which trip have, that you've taken? Um, which one has spoken the most to you? I think I stopped counting after like 60, 65 dope, countries. Dope, dope. Um, but for me, like Morocco is, I just have this love for this place. And it's, and it's weird because like, I'm a beach person, you know, I, for a place that doesn't have like beach like that, uh, or at least the beach that we're used to, it's, it's just like the people there on uh, the culture, it just speaks to me, you know, I just feel like so connected there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, nah, that's real. I, you know, um, what was, you know, how many times have you been to Morocco? And, and give us an example of, you know, how you can highlight how the people are just different. I've been to Morocco three times now. I feel like it's the friendliest people, you know. Um, when you're walking in the Medina, which is like, you know, maze and stuff like that, you can easily get lost. And... Yes, you have the kids that will fool around with you trying to, like, you know, get some money out of you. Right. Yeah. But the people have been so nice. You know, anything you need, they're, they're just ready to help you. 
and most of the time they're not really trying to take advantage of you but you know they i, I feel like they generally care and like they they love their country so much they want to highlight the best of, of of the place um i've even looked into like buying like a riad there you know it's just mm-hmm. like places where you feel like wow there's like so many opportunities here um even through this whole pandemic when i when i thought about um business ideas i was like wow like maybe i should like go to morocco and like start getting the moroccan goods carpets and things like that and resell them online um or build like some kind of business around that because yeah. it's like so awesome mm-hmm. have you ever considered like real estate in any of these uh, other countries oh yeah like yeah. Um, that's so my, my wife is is a realtor so mm-hmm. i combining both of them is is like everything so we've talked about um you know, buying uh, places in places like St. Martin, which I love, um, Morocco, um, of course, Haiti, uh, and many different islands. Even Cuba, if it wasn't so difficult between them and the U.S. government. Yeah, yeah. Now, because I've, I've thought about that a lot, like, you know, in the future, I, I want to own multiple homes, right? But then the idea of that, too, to me is I want other spaces where when I'm not there, other family members and friends can live. Um, you know, so I, I think a lot about how, how, you, how real estate can be very powerful in that regard, you know. Um, so w- when you think about real estate in other countries, how do you look at maintaining that space when, when, when you're not there, right? Like, like I remember traveling to Hawaii and there's so many celebrities that own homes in Hawaii that ne- they rarely go there but they have full-time staffing, like maids, and, and, and they have full-time, um, like, you know, uh, or they have, a, you know, a, a group come in and do all their landscaping and whatnot and keep it upkeep the space. It, it seems like it's very expensive, especially if you're not going to utilize the space. How do, how do you think about that from a utilization standpoint, and too, like, how do you keep the investment secure? Well, I think it, it depends on, on the place. You know, if it's, if it's a place where you have somebody that you can trust, um you know that's that's one way but other than that uh, i remember places like st martin we thought about it we spoke to like different companies and uh they would pretty much take out take charge of the whole uh management of everything um so you can do like a, a management company um or it you know you just have to to make those connections there mm-hmm. yeah so what what's next for Haitian Nomad? How how do you guys um bounce back amidst COVID? Um and how how do people also connect and, and find out what you guys are doing next? So I I'm a Haitian Nomad on all social media platforms. You can go on the website which is HaitianNomad.net. Um next we we of course we're looking for ways to to do it bigger when people start um coming, you know, when things start opening back up. And um we're definitely going to have great trips. Uh, we're looking forward to exploring more of Africa. Mm. Um, one of the things that I set to do next year was to trace our roots, uh, which, you know, for us, especially Haitians, uh, our roots are mostly in places like Benin, Togo, even Nigeria. Uh, and like you were saying at the beginning, there's a lot of things that people don't know about uh, Haiti and the connection to Africa. And one of the things that, you know, I, I, I talk to people a lot is, you know, for everybody that's seen the movie uh, Black Panther, mm-hmm. when you look at the women warriors that, that, that were protecting the king, those are the, the, the former warriors of Dahomey, you mm-hmm. know? And, and the Haitian Revolution 
the 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 main hero of the Haitian Revolution, his aunt was one of the warriors of Dahomey who taught him the military tactics and that helped him fight the war. So things like that are just amazing. And you know, on a historical context, like I I want to to learn more about them and have a lot more people uh, visit the continent and explore it more. No, that, that's absolutely real, man. Like I, so I, I was pulling it up right here because I was reading about it this past weekend. But it's like the, the Kingdom of Benin and learning more about within Nigeria. It was like this idea of a perfect city that when you know um, colonizers were coming to the fireworks were starting in Brooklyn. So bear with me. But yeah. when colonizers, <laughs> you know, as colonizers were were coming into Africa they would see this city with these perfect roads with people who people treated each other with such respect. Um, and, and the power of the city was like exemplified in terms of uh, what it really meant to the area. And, and a lot of people feel like Black Panther, um, the, you know, that Wakanda was based off of that city um, because of its ability to be so advanced from the technology and whatnot. And so when you have folks like the Portuguese, the British coming down and then seeing this, this city within Nigeria at the time was not necessarily constituted as such, um, uh-huh. they, were, they were in absolute awe because this was a time where there was a lot of issues with um, more, more just dirtier things in, in, in uh, Great Britain, for example, or a lot of issues with like different illnesses and whatnot. And these cities did not have that. Um, right. So, the, you know, travel does open your mind to such amazing things. Um, if you had to think off the top of your mind, I, I would love for you to give, give folks at home the best place you could recommend for a romantic getaway, best place for um, a, a guy's trip or a girl's trip, um, and then best place to, to turn up. And then last but not least, and I'll, I'll walk you through those. And last but not yeah. least, the best place to like discover yourself. Like where, do, you know, people talk a lot about, um, uh, was it Bali and going there and getting more centered, right? Like, so, uh-huh. so if you had to battle them off, what would they be? Where the places to be that you mentioned? Um, for, for a guy's trip, I would definitely say Southeast Asia, somewhere like mm-hmm. Cambodia, but mostly Thailand. Um, cause you see a lot, a lot of, <laughs> um, for a romantic getaway, it's kind of tricky, but it depends on your budget. Mm-hmm. Um, I would definitely say, uh, you know, if you want to do somewhere like the Maldives, you can, um, but surprisingly there's, there's a place in the North of Haiti, uh, in Cap Haitian, which is like this beach that's like nested amazing bay and you're disconnected from everything so no social media no phone connection the house is literally like on the water your room opens up to the beach um i think that would be amazing as far as a romantic trip um turn up again it depends on your level of turning up i mean sure sure yeah big money you could do the french riviera um but you if you you can do it on a budget in southeast asia also like you said bali um, Southeast Asia during New Year's Eve, places like Cambodia. Uh, over on this side, I would even say uh, Colombia, you know? Mm-hmm. Like you mentioned, is a place where they just know how to turn up, they know how to have fun, mm-hmm. just have a good time in general. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then um, a place for like self-discovery, where, where would you recommend going to like get started with yourself? I, you know, I, personally, I would say Cuba. Okay. And I say this because Cuba pushes all your limits. You know, mm-hmm. you're you don't have your phone. You don't. You know, you might not find like all the food that you're used to. Um, you have to learn some things on the go. So, 
things like that will pretty much like tell you a lot about yourself, you know, and you, you don't know a language. You don't, you can't really look up on your phone. So you, you just have to find new ways to, to do things. So I think it's a great place to start. Awesome. Awesome, man. Well, Rich, I want to thank you so much for coming through. Everybody go follow Haitian Nomad and also connect with them. Hop on their next trip. I might be reaching out to you for a new trip as well because Maldives in February sounds pretty sick. Um, but thanks so much for joining the show, bro. This has been great. Uh, Dom, thanks for making the connection. Franz, thanks for producing in a stellar fashion for always. Again, for Rich, this is Ofo. Thanks for joining us today on the WYL Take Ownership Podcast, where we're all about taking ownership of your mental, your economics, and your community. Peace.